Well, good morning. Glad you're with us this morning and hope you will follow up as uh, Tony encouraged you to follow up. So we look at the scriptures this morning. If you have a Bible with you, would you join me in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? If not, no problem. We'll have the scripture up here. Always good to see it for ourselves. Uh, We're in this series of discipleship, growing to be like our leader, Jesus, which is what a disciple is. And we're talking about maturing. And we're talking about maturing because the journey of a disciple is we all start dead in our sins, what we visualize here at the chapel in a coffin, and when we place our faith in Jesus, we're born again. That's the the expression the scripture uses, that we become infants in Christ. This is where everybody starts their spiritual journey as a believer, in the crib. But no one's intended to stay here. We're intended to grow up to maturity and to move to what we visualize this morning of life at the table. And so thus far, we've talked about maturing in our relationship with the Lord, like like a kid needing to learn how to to talk to God and to listen to God, just like a kid needs to learn to, to talk to his parents and people and to listen to authority. We talked about how we need to learn to walk with God, just like a a baby needs to learn to walk and to take those first steps. The new sounds, the the sounds of complaining and grumbling that come out of the crib that that we've been given as new believers, a new heart so that new sounds will come out of our mouth, sounds of rejoicing and prayer and thanksgiving. So everything thus far, you're tracking with me, everything thus far about maturing has been about this, our relationship with God and maturing there. Talk to him, walk with him. Rejoice in him, give thanks to him. Today, maturing in this relationship. In other words, not just this relationship, but maturing in how we relate to one another. And we visualize it here at the chapel as a table. Because I think when God created us as a family, A table is the picture that is intended to represent when life is good in a family. Life is good at the table. So let me just ask you to do what we did as a staff. Think about your own growing up and think back to what was life like for you at the table growing up? Is it a good memory? For some, you may go, ah, it wasn't that good. And I'm, I'm sorry for that, honestly, because again, I think, I think the table is, in the mind of God, a beautiful place. There will be, the scripture tells us, a marriage supper of the lamb. That's going to be like the, the ultimate table experience. But that's not what all of us have had. I, when, um, when I was young, my mom remarried and my Stepdad, I think, was very excited to be married with her and to her, but less than excited with all the baggage that came with her. There were four of us, and he never verbalized this thing. Here's how that came out. Every night after work at the table, this is how he went through the whole meal. (laughs) So warm, welcoming, just glad to be there. No, I don't think so. Now, I'm not meaning el- you know, elbows off the table. I'm not talking a manners thing. I'm talking like, you people are killing me. You know, we were four kids around a table. And it wasn't that enjoyable to him. So I don't think he had fond memories of life around the table. But when I think of just last weekend, Thanksgiving, all six of our kids married here for Thanksgiving, 14 of us around the table, Part of what was awesome is we had another table in another room where the 12 kids were. (laughs) You didn't really want to see that room after the meal. Uh, Man, but one of my, my favorite memories, life with family around a table. The conversation, the camaraderie, the unity, the discussion, the listening, the care, that is the picture that I think God has for maturity as we grow in Christ, as a church. 
Yes, there's learning to talk to him, walk with him, give thanks to him. But there is a maturity in Christ that learns to relate to one another as a family. And that's what we are, a spiritual family. We all have one father. We are brothers and sisters in Christ when we've been born again. And to learn to relate around the table. Now, I'll share around our table growing up with our six kids, we had some basic rules, truths that um, determined how we would do life together around the table. And that's what 1 Corinthians 12 is. 1 Corinthians 12 simply determines the truth that will show us how we are intended to relate around the table. And then we'll do a, a brief test on uh, what's our maturity level at the table. So join me first in 1 Corinthians 12, and we're going to start in the center of the chapter, because in the center is where he speaks multiple times about what the heart of the truth is at the table that determines how we function. So join me, 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to start in verse 12, so 12, 12. For even as the body is one. So this is a different image, not an image of a table, but of a physical body. Even as the body is one and yet has many members, arms, toes, ears, eyes, nose, head, shoulders, knees, and toes, and, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit, we all, were all, all who have trusted in Jesus, we were all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. In other words, he poured the spirit into every single person's heart who has been born again. Verse 14, for the body is not one member, but... Many. So you, you get the image. One body, many members of this body. One body, many members of this body. And now think globally. One global church, many, 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 many members of that one body. Think of it this way. One table... A pile of chairs, a lot of chairs. See, if we, you know, I, I love images. If we could have, we would have had a massive table and we would just all sat around the table for this message this morning just to remind us that's who we are. So the truth that we establish that determine how we function as a, the body of Christ is that we are the, the corporate body of Christ. Now, what do I mean corporate? I mean together we're the body of Christ, distinct then from individually we're the body of Christ. You do know that individually you're the body of Christ. In other words, the Spirit of God has been poured in. So you are the body of Christ, but in a different mentality, we together are the body of Christ. Individually, he is our head, we describe that with this word, he is our Lord, he's our master, he's our leader. And as a body mentality, he's the head of the body. That determines how we think of ourselves. One body. Not distinct bodies. One body. And one head of that one body, Jesus Christ. And... We are one body with many members. So, what's that mean for us as a church? First and foremost, at this table, there's one chair distinct from every other chair at the table. Maybe it's where your dad's at, maybe it's not, but it's where Jesus sits at the head. Hey, that's, that's really important. You need to know without a shadow of a doubt 
at Christian Family Chapel, around the table, there is a head chair, and Jesus is the one who sits in it. He determines what we do, when we do it, how we do it, why we do it. He is the head of our church. His chair is distinct than any other chair at the table. What's it mean for us? Well, let me apply it like this. In our family, we had dinner. Some of you may have called it supper. How many of you called it supper? All right. How many of you called it dinner? How many of you just wanted to be called? Okay, there you go. That's it. I don't even care. Just call me. Here was it simple at our house. We ate dinner, all of us, always, together. Now, if you had the stomach flu, you were excused. Or as the kids got older and they had to, you know, work, have a job, start paying for car insurance, then if they're at the job, can't be at the table. But if you were in the house and you weren't chucking your belly, then you came to the table. In other words, we had at times people, people, kids who said, I don't feel like coming to the table. Or how about this? I'm not hungry. You know what? Oh, no, we go, not hungry? Too bad. Come to the table. We all meet at the table. If you're in the house, you're at the table. Why? Because we're a family and we're eating together. It's how we function. Now, I, I say that because I think it would be a fantastic uh, step forward as the body, the family of God at Christian Family Chapel if we took a major step towards simply saying, when we're in town and the church is gathered, we gather. That is, that is one of the family principles that has begun to erode over the decades of the church in America. Uh, there's plenty of, eh, I don't feel like something else is on. I'd rather do something else. And, and it's impacting our life at the table. Every once in a while, we would have neighbor kids have dinner with us. They were guests at the table. But that was optional. Sometimes they could come, and other times we were like, no, you need to go. We're, we're eating dinner. You need to go home. We want to stay. You're not family. Rude guy, aren't I? No, but you're not family. This is, this is family. And I think sometimes, church, we're losing this core value. We're a family that when we gather, we all gather. We would more effectively be the body of Christ if that value was lifted up in each of our hearts. Now, again, do we travel? Yeah. If your kid's chucking, please don't bring him. <laughs> you know what I mean? There are times where we go, for the sake of the love of the family, we don't come. But I want us to capture, we're one body. And when the body gathers, I want to encourage us to gather. If you're in another city with family or friends, let me encourage you. The church is bigger than Christian Family Chapel. The church is bigger than just in Jacksonville. You have family. You have a body there. I encourage you to participate. I think it got lost. You'll have to figure this out for yourself. I think it got lost when somehow church attendance became an obligation versus an identity. You see the difference? It's not a religious practice that we're obligated to. It's who we are 
as a family, who we are as a body. And what we see happen in Acts when the church is born is they were together consistently. And it says they were devoted. And that devotion, not to a religious practice, but the devotion to an identity ought to really cause us to say, we're the corporate body of Christ. We are the many members, but we're one body. And when the body gathers, we gather. So I hope you'll talk about that over lunch today. Hope you'll talk about that as a family group. Are we committed to our identity together because of who we are as one body? Whose body? Christ's body. We are the body of Christ. All right, so we're all present. That's the goal. We're all present because we're a body. Imagine my leg saying, yeah, I don't really want to show up today. Now, some of you may go, well, yeah, that's called age. <laughs> and, and those of you who are experiencing age are going, yeah, and the body's not functioning like it used to. That's my point right there. All right, back to the text. Let's go now to verse 4, and we're going to read up to where we started in verse 12. So 4 through 11. Now, there are varieties of gifts, all right? Think, we're talking about a body. There's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. There are varieties of ministries in the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. But to each one is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. And to another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. And to another, the effecting of miracles. And to another, prophecy. And to another, the distinguishing of spirits. And to another, various kinds of tongues. And to another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things that he just listed, distributing to each one Individually, just as they want. <laughs> no, just as he wills. So, you got the picture? One massive table, a bunch of chairs around it. Everybody who is in Christ around that table, and locally, everybody who's in Christ around this table that we call Christian Family Chapel. And each of us, the scripture tells us this is a core foundation that determines how we function. Each of us has spiritual gifts for the building up of the body. Each of us does. Has what? Spiritual gifts. For what purpose? The building up of the body. Every person in every chair has a part to play according to the gifts that God has given them. Fourth. That gifting is according, not to our choosing, but the choosing of the Holy Spirit. If you ever wondered, why am I gifted the way I am? Here's why. Because God made you that way. God chose you to be that way. Is there a real possibility that if it was up to you, you would have chosen differently? Sure. Sure, I know what it's like to look across the room and go, I wish I had that gift. And you may have looked across the room, looked at somebody across the table in another chair and thought, I wish I had that gift. You're gifting for participation, for the building up of the body is chosen by the Holy Spirit. So that determines some God contentment. That's a whole issue we'll talk about of maturity in the future. Contentment. Because it's the choosing of the Holy Spirit. Fifth, what we read is that our giftings is going to differ in terms of what we do. 
and it'll determine where we do it. And according to the Holy Spirit, the degree of impact that we have. Now, again, I didn't make that stuff up. That was just all in the text that we just read. Varieties of gifts, varieties of ministries, varieties of effects, impact. Different chairs, different members, different parts of the body, all for the common good, but different ones are gifted in different ways and therefore serve in different areas and have differing levels of impact. You ever lose your finger now? Like lose the, not, not trim it, lose the finger now. Yeah. Whoa, painful. The fingernail plays an important part of the body. But it has different impact than losing my leg. Right? Each different for a common good, but there's different impact. And sometimes fingernails go, I want to be a leg. But who chose? Holy Spirit chose the role that I'm intended to play. <clears throat> so, apply it to the table. <laughs> if, you're in, if you're part of the family at dinner time, what do you do? You come to the table. Whether you're hungry or not, whether you want to be there or not, everybody comes to the table. And then after you ate or didn't eat whatever you wanted to eat, then guess what? Everybody had part of cleanup. Not everybody did the same thing. Not everybody cleaned off the table. Not everybody swept the floor. Somebody swept the floor, somebody cleaned off the table, somebody washed the dishes, somebody loaded the dishwasher. So we had, everybody had a job. If you eat here, you work here. <laughs> now, my neighbor grabbed me one time after lots of projects out inside, and he used to start teasing me that I thought my kids were my day laborers. And I didn't know what he was teasing me about. Exactly. I was like, uh, where's the funny part of this? This is, we feed them. Now, you may go, come on, it's a little rude. You get my point. We, what did we do? We ate together. We worked together. We played together. The key part being together. That's the key first part, together. But it's just not play together. It's eat together. And it's just not eat together and play together. It's work together. You see how that relates to the church, friends? See, when, when we lose this, this core value of not only then being together, but then being together for the common good, then the common good isn't as good. When we lose the core value of that each one of us has been gifted for the common good, then the common good isn't as good. It's not the church as God intended the church to be. And so, what God intended for us, trying to make this super clear, simple, simple, what God intended for us when we were born again is that we'd be part of a family. And that family would learn to be together. And part of being together was serving as God has gifted us. And we are not the church, Christian Family Chapel, that God intends us to be. When you eat here but never help with the chores here. Is that family oriented enough? You see what I mean? Each of us has a part to play, determined by the Holy Spirit for the common and good. See, I determined as a father at our family table 
that part of my role, Jackie was right there with me, part of our role is that our kids not only learn to enjoy one another, they learn to work. They learn to serve. They learn to help. And some of that's slipping away. There's this idea that our primary goal as parents is to help our kids have fun. And only fun. And then they grow up and you're mad at them. Because they think life is only fun. Why don't they learn to work? Well, you have to ask yourself, was that part of how we tried to teach them? See, I'm not saying that, see, we, we were smart. We did it right. No, we simply looked at the church and said, if the church is a family, why wouldn't our family function on the same core principles? And I want, because this is what our head, the guy who sits at the head of the table in the chair like no other chair at Christian Family Chapel, wants for this family. He wants us to be together, to learn to enjoy one another together, and to learn to serve one another together according to the gifts that he has chosen for us. If the, join me in verse 15. <clears throat> we read tw- we've read verse through 14 so far. Pick, pick it up in verse 15. <clears throat> if the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. Different, but both needed, right? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members here. He's saying it for like the third time, but now God has placed the members, each one of them in the body, just as he desired. If they were all one member, where would the body be. See, the beauty of the body is in the breadth of how God has made us and formed us and placed us together. We're not all the same. And that both drives us crazy and is beautiful at the same time. Because if we were all exactly the same, that'd be a sorry body. The beauty is in the, the diversity of the body and the recognition that therefore, because God has made us different and God has designed us different and it was according to his choosing, according to his desires, that actually every person though different is needed in the body. If we were redundant, we would be unnecessary. We'd be redundant. (laughs) Verse 20, now there are many members but one body. Have you heard that before? It's almost like that's the theme of the chapter. And I cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. I'm not only needed, but I... I need. Contrary, it's much truer than the members of the body which seem to weaker, be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable and these we bestow more abundant honor and our less presentable members become much more presentable. Whereas our more presentable members have no need of it. Why? Because they already have it. But God has so composed the body giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked so that there, be may, there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. No tears, no caste system in the body. Everyone is needed and needs the body. Now again, don't, don't, don't just keep it Theoretical. All of us can simply say, I'm needed here and I need here. 
I'm needed here, and I need here. You say that? I'm needed here, and I need here. And you're kind of thinking, do I really want to say that? That's what the text said. I'm needed here, and I need here. I'm needed here, and I need you. And we could one by one come across the stage and go, I'm needed here, and I need you. And the next, I'm needed here, and I need you. That is the way God has formed his family. And it determines how we function. Everyone needed and everyone needs. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. Why? What What has he said like four times? Because we are one body. One member suffers, all the members suffer with it. One member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Our unity is reflected in how we suffer together and how we rejoice together. Can Can I put like real life to this? How we suffer together? That's why we do radiosity. That word that we made up, ready to be generous. We do radiosity here at the chapel so that when one suffers, we all share in it. We had a funny moment last week. If you were here, Tracy, as part of hosting, shared this long list of things that everything that has been done for folks who are suffering in the body and the community and how we have helped them. And after she did this long list, that's what you did right there. And I really blew it. I needed to come up here and go, okay, a little family training. When we suffer together, we rejoice together, that we suffered together. You capture that? We should rejoice together when we suffer together because it's reflective that we are many members but one body. That's why we have radiosity. It's why we have worship nights. It's why we pass around a mic on worship nights and we give an opportunity for a member of the body to rejoice in how God has been faithful and how God has cared for them and how God has provided for them, how God has healed them. Whatever their situation, that they stand together and it's really, really weird when somebody does that and we're all like, oh, See, when, when the Lord provides or the Lord heals, that's good news rejoicing for, for all of us. Why? Because we're one body. Great moment in our family. Uh, our oldest son, new in high school, for Christmas that year, all he wanted Well, he wanted lots of things. All he could get, (laughs) based on family budget, uh, was a leather jacket. All of his Christmas went to his leather jacket. First week, uh, when he went back to school, got stolen. Yeah, see, I appreciate that. Because that's what his siblings did. His siblings found out about it, and a... A 13-year-old, 11-year-old, 9-year-old, 7-year-old, and 5-year-old pulled their very, very, very limited dollars together. Bought him another jacket. That's family. Right? And it's, you're like, it was a long time ago. One as nice as the one mom and dad had bought him. And even Jackie said, I don't think he ever really wore that jacket. <laughs> but, you know, that's really not the point. The point is 
togetherness, eating together, working together, playing together, suffering together, rejoicing together. I really want a CFC together. We're one body. God has placed us here according to his choosing, according to his desire. And we are missing. We're missing what God has for us. When we act like we're not part of a body, like we're not needed, and like we don't need. When we don't enter into other people's suffering, and we don't rejoice when other people rejoice. We're missing what God, the beauty of what God has done in us. See, there's truths that drive us. Not to religious activity, but to relationship because of identity. With him, that determines... Us, us. The beauty of the body of Christ is phenomenal when it lives according to the biblical principles that 1 Corinthians 12 lays out. One body, many members, one head, gifted differently according to his choosing so that everybody is needed and needs for the common good of helping when we're suffering and rejoicing when we're rejoicing. That's the church as God intends it. And our culture's losing a little bit. I'm not throwing a rock at the culture. We live in this culture and, and church is becoming an event that people show up to anonymously and debate. Did I like it? Let's try it again. I didn't like it. Let's go somewhere else. I don't think that's what God had in mind. So, can we hear the heart of our head and take some steps to being the body as God intended us to be the body? What do those steps look like? What are, what are the indicators of individual maturity? So I've talked a lot about us. Now I want to talk about me. On an individual basis, ask some crucial questions. First, do I embrace that I am part of a bigger story? This is a mark of maturity. That I embrace I am part of a bigger story. Maturity brings both core values to the table. Do you, do you see what I mean? These are essential core values that I got to bring to the table of if I'm going to be mature. That I'm a, I'm a necessary part, but I am not the point. How easy it is to lose one of those. If I'm not the point, then what's the point? <laughs> the point is you're a part of a bigger point. And so, I'm needed, but I'm part of much bigger. See, it's important that I know CFC is way bigger than me and that the church is way bigger than CFC. I'm a part of something bigger. We are a part of something much bigger. Maturity doesn't lose either one of these. Because if I'm immature and I get the bigger story, but I never play my part, immaturity. If I think of them apart, but I lost sight of the bigger story of what God is doing, it's immaturity. I probably won't stay apart. So I lose sight of the bigger story, then I become the point. And just... If I can put a mirror in front of us, this is what happens. Individual members determine I am the point. Or I'm not the point. And determines how you engage. Second indicator individual maturity is I recognize the truths and therefore I utilize my gifts. I have to know my gifts to be able to utilize my gifts, but I utilize my God-given gifts. A healthy body 
These people, there was lots of lists. There's a long list that we read in, first, in the passage 4 through 11. There's other passages that add more things even to that list. Maturity is that you participate with your God-given gifts at the table. Immaturity is I demand people do things for me. See, this is, that's the part of the picture here. I demand people do things for me, and when they don't, I scream my head off until they do. So, that's an individual as you're considering, where am I? Am I maturing? Do I see that I'm a part of a bigger story? Am I utilizing my God-giving gifts? One of my favorite verses in the New Testament, say to Archippus. Now you may go, who's Archippus? That's the point. The point is, we don't know who Archippus is. We know who Paul is. We know who Timothy is. We know who Luke is. We know who Matthew is. We don't know who Archippus is. That's the point. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. He is an absolute Nobody. And don't be offended by that because that's who the vast majority of us are, really. Nobodies. I'm a nobody. I'm an archipus. There's a few people who knew who archipus was, but the, the vast majority of the world didn't know who archipus was. A few years ago, CFC went to, there was a gathering, a group put some of the churches in Jacksonville together, and they were all large churches in Jacksonville and CFC. And it was a very funny moment where overwhelmingly every other church leadership team went, who are you guys? Where are you? We've never heard of Christian Family Chapel. It was a good reminder. We're a part of a much bigger Story. Just a little church here in Mandarin. We're archipists. We have a ministry we receive from the Lord, and it's vital that we fulfill it. You're archipists. You have a ministry you have received from the Lord, and it's vital that you fulfill it. And there's probably going to be the reality that nobody knows who you are. There's only a few Pauls in the world, in the world. And most of us aren't going to be him. But we still have a ministry, and it's important that we fulfill it. So I utilize my God-given gifts, and I value the breadth of gifting and ministries in the body. See, <laughs> The fact that there are so many gifts different than the gifts that I have is not just tolerable. That is excellent. It's fantastic. It's, it's not just vital. Yeah, man, I, I just value it. it it's fantastic that, that we have vibrant children's ministry, middle school ministry, high school ministry, college ministry, adult ministries of, of prayer ministry and counseling ministry and be transformed ministry and family group ministry and amazing grays and Titus too. And we can go on and on. Why are those? Because every one of those ministries is serving a part of the body of which we are one. And within those there's all sorts of gifts being expressed. And it's easy, can I have your eyes? It's easy to think, I don't know what I do, that's most important. Instead of going, what we do is most important. We value the breadth of the gifting in the body and the ministries of the body. And this is what the text says. They begin to see the incredible value of the less visible. 
the more, really, watch, the more we grow in Christ, mature in Christ, the more we recognize the value of the less visible. We had a radiosity story that I got uh, last week. So grateful. This individual was sharing how uh, the church administered to their family. And in the middle of this email, it says, and so-and-so built ramps for my wheelchair into my house. And I was like, what? I had no idea. How awesome is that? One member of our body went to another member of our body without anybody ever knowing it until now I'm telling you and I'm not telling you their name because they're sitting in the room right now. They built ramps for their wheelchair into their house. What a gift. See, the more I grow in Christ, watch, the more I recognize the value of all the work of God that happens that never is on the stage. And we celebrate the stage in this culture and it hurts the body. And I say that, a guy who stands on the stage, when we celebrate the stage, it hurts the body. Because the best talk in my life ain't gonna get a wheelchair guy into his house. It's going to take somebody who builds a ramp. Awesome. I rejoice in the fruitfulness of others. When I see God at work in somebody else's life, not jealous, grateful. And I can do that because we are one body. You see, it's so vital. It just comes back to that core. We could have spent the whole time. If... If we could get it in our head, one body, many members. One body, many members. These are all just extensions of one body, many members. And so he says it one more time, verse 27 in 1 Corinthians 12. Now you are Christ's body. Not just one body, we are Christ's body and individually members of it. So what's that mean? Let me let you write this down and then I'll try to quickly unpack it. That means that because we are Christ's body and individual members of it, that we serve to the Lord and we serve by the Lord and we serve for the Lord. And that, friends, is, I think, the ultimate mark of maturity when I do what I do to the Lord, for the Lord, and by the Lord. And all of that to the Lord, by the Lord, for the Lord is rooted in that we are, we are Christ's body. So when we serve another part of the body, we are serving for the Lord. See? And when we do it, we are doing it because we're part of his body and it is only by his strength and it's according to his choosing and the design that he's made us, we are doing it. By him. See, I'm working backwards if you haven't picked it up. And then, first, we do it as... And, and this is the one that I lose the most, and it's to my detriment. That it is to the Lord. How can it be to the Lord? Because you are Christ's body. And to do it to you is to do it to the Lord. So can I, can I say it this way? I think there are many things that we would do to the Lord if we thought it was to the Lord that we don't do for one another. What have we missed? We are Christ body. So to, what did Jesus say? When you did it to the least of these, you did it, not for me, but to me. To build a wheelchair ramp 
is to do it to Jesus. You may go, when was Jesus crippled? And what did he say? When you did it to the crippled, you did it to me. When you did it to the person dying of cancer, you did it to me. When you did it to the hungry and the broken and the person who couldn't pay their bills, you did it to me. So if I capture that, talking honestly about me here, when I capture that doing it to you is to the Lord, that changes it. But that's what it means to be one body. Whose body? Christ's body. Many members working together to him, by him, and for him. I'm going to invite uh, Matt to come up and lead us in a prayer. We're going to we do this every once in a while. We're going to sing our closing prayer. So you might go, hey, after we sing, you may think, why isn't he praying? This is our prayer. And some of you will recognize it's simply an, an old, old song that says, Lord, we consecrate ourselves to thee. All right, so stand with me and let's pray this together. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my moments and my days, let them flow in ceaseless praise. Take my hands and let them move at the Take my feet and let them be swift and beautiful for thee. Here am I, all of me. Take my life, it's all. Take my life.